Hello and welcome to Blue Royalty, a London is Blue podcast dedicated to the Chelsea women's team. Chelsea got their pre-season off to a winning start with a slightly chaotic 3-2 win over Roma on a beautiful summer evening at King's Meadow. Goals from Guru Wrighton, Lauren James and Aggie Beaver-Jones gave Chelsea the win as we saw first appearances from Ashley Lawrence, Mia Fischel and Shukanuskan. I'm joined by Abdullah to run through this first match and ask, Abdullah, are we going to win the Champions League? This was the B team. If we can beat Roma with 3-2 with the B team, then, you know, we're definitely winning the Champions League here. I mean, of course, like I, I can't see anything past the amazing performances that we had uh, yesterday. So, yeah, cool. See everybody in, in Spain in, in eight months' time. Yeah, see you all in Bilbao. No, it was great to be back at King's Meadow. I've got to say, my highlight, pre, my non-football highlight, was seeing Katarina Macario show up in an incredibly fancy Tesla which I've got to be honest like I know lots of the Chelsea girls are kind of baller anyway but this felt like oh like we're really in the big leagues because I just don't think anyone should be driving that car through Norberton but good for good for Kat Macario and then I saw little Lucy Watson coming in just behind her in like this kind of sad white Volvo and I was like (laughs) she Lucy Watson had the kind of car which is like the first car your parents get you you know when you have to start driving places and then Kat (laughs) Macario is in this incredibly expensive one but you know those are the different levels uh in our team um but yeah a great a great game a great way to be back at King's Meadow. Really, really nice um, to see Big Tree, of course. Uh, and we also saw uh, a first Chelsea starting 11 of the season. So I think we should start here, Abdullah. Um, lining up in a 3-4-3, we started the first half with Musevic in goal. Back three of Anik Nauen, Maramielda, Kadisha Buchanan. Melanie Loipots and Sophie Inger with a double pivot with Guru Rice at left wing back. Ashley Lawrence at right wing back. Kirby and James as the 10s in behind Mia Fischel. Um, this 3-4-3 wasn't that much of a surprise because Emma Hayes did a not-so-cryptic Instagram story where she basically posted this formation on a whiteboard. But what were your thoughts on on seeing Chelsea start preseason in a back three? Um, not entirely surprising. I think even if we take out the um, the cryptic, not-so-cryptic uh, post on Instagram, I think with the, with the kind of the players that are at the club right now with the new additions and not very many first-team players actually exiting the club... You kind of had to uh, play this sort of formation, considering the center backs that we have. The you know the the new fullback fullbacks that have come in. Obviously, Eve Paris being on the bench was was one reason. Kind of kind of kind of getting all the mixing up the players who were a not at the World Cup, b who came back early, and c just kind of seeing I right, can we go back and just see how this three four three works with the squad that we have now. And once the more established players and Sam Kerr and Millie Bright, et cetera, come back, you know, we revert back to the four. And I, I think I think preseason is going to be a mixture of formations from Emma just to see maybe what suits this new set of players because I think she would have wanted to see how um, some of the new signings would have done in, in maybe a couple of different formations. Yeah, definitely. Um, it'll be interesting to see if this is something we stick with. Um, I don't know if we'll get to watch any more preseason, so we might have to wait and find out what happens against Spurs in that first WSL game. Um, But there were also some sort of interesting squad absentees, which we should touch on. No Aaron Cuthbert, which I assume is injury-related, so hoping that's not a big deal. Um, No Katarina Svitkova, which I don't know whether it's injury-related or not, but felt interesting given that we know we potentially need exits. And and no Nikki Everard either, um, which again... 
could be injury related who knows could be exit related um hannah hampton also obviously wasn't in the squad but she has only just got back from england duty uh, what did what did you make it? Is is it worth making anything of that? Is I mean we are kind of just hypothesizing here, but that's our job. Like what? That's why everyone listens to us to to run our mouths off. So go go and <laughs> hypothesize. <laughs> right for the sake of that of that phrase, I will do it. Um, I think Erin is just injury related. I mean they have been Charlotte's been showing a lot of gym content with the, with the girls at the gym and and then you know throwing the ball around on that screen that tells them the score of how hard they're hitting the the medicine ball and then they've got a lot of them lifting weights and everything so i think there's all of that content aaron cuthbert was heavily there Svikova was there um and i think uh, everard was was part of the goalkeeping union that was that was training with with, with everybody but i think with Svitkova, it might just be exit related just looking at the number of players that are there i mean okay fine like it depends like amy claypool ashanti akman and saris brown will probably go out on loan or play for the academy side for the rest of the season and then maybe make the odd appearance into the squad and maybe the odd appearance in for like 10 15 minutes um but i don't expect all of them to be there i think the question mark for me comes down to possibly with the way aggie beaver jones played yes and i know we'll touch on it later but i think maybe it's 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 Emma Hayes looking at, okay, which one of the returning players maybe deserves to stay in the squad? And then for that to happen, we need to make space by removing one or two. Svitkova might be that make-way make player just because, but at the same time, it just could be injury-related. But then again, those like Kasper and, and Svitkova have been at Chelsea for basically the whole summer. So I don't I don't know what's happening over there. So... I think maybe it's 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 the okay. Let's see how Aggie Beaver Jones does versus maybe in the next preseason game it's Svitkova that comes in and kind of whoever impresses maybe keeps their place at Chelsea uh, for the season. So that's probably my take from from these absences. Yeah, interesting one to keep an eye on there. Definitely. Um, let's talk about the game itself. Um, I thought Chelsea kind of started pretty well, passing the ball around nicely. Um, but Roma scored first. It was a really, really nice goal, to be fair, um, across over the, the top of the, the back three to Harvey, which she hit first time. Um, really, really good finish. Nothing really that Zachira could do about that. Maybe something that Chelsea's defence could have done about Harvey getting a free run at that ball. I think my sort of takeaway from the first half in particular, Abdullah, was that Roma absolutely killed this back three in transition. They sat quite deep. They just wanted to counter-attack. Basically, we've seen them play variations of this tactic successfully uh, in the Champions League before. Um, but what did you make of how the back three looked in that transition? Because it definitely felt like there was a lot of pressure on them. Yeah, it was very chaotic. Um, it doesn't help that all three of them don't really have that much pace. And then when you have the two wingbacks who are the quicker ones, they're pushing up forward in Wrighton and Lawrence and them tracking back, especially when you have Leupels and Ingle, who I think were a little bit static and a little bit um, uh, not not as mobile for, for that first half. I think it was just a recipe for disaster. I just felt like there was too much of a gap and the three at the back was just, well, the three players in the back three were almost kind of, playing catch-up in, like, individual man-marking styles, so whichever Roma defender would come in, you know, sorry, attacker would come in, they would be isolated in a one-on-one, and they would just get beaten every single time, whether it was coming in off, uh, into the inside, going on the outside, kind of running in behind. And when you have 
Mielda, okay, fine. Mielda centrally, I'm fine with. She's not the quickest. We knew that from before, but she suits playing as like the central. You can play her as the central center back and it's fine. Nawa and Buchanan, for whatever reason, just, I don't know what happened to them. They were just not great defending the transition. They weren't great in the one-on-ones. Obviously, Javi's goal was absolutely fantastic, but to kind of show her in on the inside was was obviously a mistake. And then um, uh, and she kind of did that for a lot of that first half. And it's, I, it's, it's a slight problem because obviously we have Millie Bright to come back, but um, we have Millie Bright to come back. But it's it's a question of what happened. Buchanan's just like slowly going backwards in terms of her, uh, the way she's playing. And obviously Canada wasn't great, but I'd have thought after a bit of rest, she'd come into preseason and she'd be a little bit fresh and raring to go. But I don't know what's happening there. So yeah, it was, it was a bit of a concern for me how the backs just could not cope with transition. And that's what we've been struggling with to some extent in, in games in the WSO. When teams hit us on the counter-attack, you know, we've just not been able to deal with with uh, with certain um, certain moments. I mean, I, I look back to the Liverpool game from from last time and uh, from last season when we lost the first game against Liverpool. It it can, gives me shades of that a little bit into what the chances they were creating at the time. Yeah, it definitely was interesting. I think there's a couple of things when thinking about it to to break down here. I think first of all, like you're right to point out that the wing backs in terms of. Wrighton and Lawrence were were pushed very, very high up and it did leave those three centre-backs incredibly exposed. Um, and I think, you know, on paper, you'd look at that formation and think, well, Lawrence is sort of maybe the one that, that drops back and, and that didn't really happen. But I think that's kind of understandable. Like she was playing her first game for Chelsea. Like, of course, you, you're going to take time to sort of figure out where your positioning is. I think the other point is, again, you're, you're right to say that I thought Leupoltz and Ingle were very, very passive in midfield. Like, look, if you're getting players one-on-one um, with your defence, those balls are coming from somewhere. The ball doesn't just, like, pop up with them uh, playing that high up the pitch. And it didn't often... Sometimes they were playing long balls, um, but there were also just moments where it felt like they were able to press the ball very, very quickly um, up the pitch and I thought that was something that we saw really change in the second half when we switched up that double pivot um, but yeah I thought as a back three it was pretty bad especially from Anik Nowon um, and Kanisha Buchanan wasn't great either it was interesting that um, Buchanan started as the central centre-back but Emma Hayes switched them around after about five minutes and then sort of Buchanan loses track of Harvey for that goal <laughs> literally like 180 seconds later or something um so I thought that was like quite an interesting change to make and we did see actually later in the game Buchanan went back to playing as the central centre-back in the back three um once Ingle was there and Ingle played as the right-sided centre-back. So there's obviously some sort of chopping and changing going on in terms of where Hayes maybe thinks Buchanan might end up. Um, it's going to be really interesting because, look, no Jess Carter, no Millie Bright, I think both of whom are clearly going to be uh, for choices ahead of any of the five players we saw play in centre-back positions. Obviously, these three, Sophie Ingle and, and Karis Brown, played there for a bit as well towards the end of the game. So to that extent, I'm like, oh, does it matter? I think why it matters is like Anik Noun in particular, and maybe we'll talk about this a bit, bit more a bit later, just look so woefully out of place um, in this team. Buchanan, I couldn't really figure... I felt like she got better as the game went on, but I couldn't really figure out if that was just because I was so obsessed with how 
bad now one was, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, it is tough because I'm like, yeah, the defense looked pretty horrible. But I'm like, will we ever see these three players play together in in an actual Chelsea game this season? I sure as shit hope not. Um, but I think it would be like quite unlikely. Something would have had to gone quite wrong, I think, to see these three playing together. Um, we did equalize uh, through Guru Wrighton. Um, it was sort of a Lawrence cross into the box that a Roma defender absolutely fumbled. Um, Kirby passed it out to Wrighton, who um, finished very, very nicely. Uh, the the Norwegian winger supremacy was strong at, at Kings Meadow last night. Um, but I want to talk a bit about the attack, Abdullah, in, in this formation. What were you seeing in terms of sort of patterns of play during the game and, and how Chelsea wanted to attack? Yeah, it was interesting. I quite liked um, some of the moves that Chelsea were making. I thought I thought Mia Fischel, I think if we can just start with her, I thought her hold-up play was really, really good. It was it was nice to see it. Uh, I think that was the main point of difference when we were playing this 3-4-3 because usually we played it with, with Sam Kerr and Bethany England in the past who have both been kind of off the shoulder, wanting to run in behind and kind of play play in that, in that sense and have the 10s kind of play through balls in behind. Um, whereas this time we've really seen Mia Fischel wanting to do that but really more hold up the play see how it goes kind of play back to goal a little bit and kind of play in James and Kirby a little bit more to have them run in behind rather than than me official do do the same thing um and it was interesting to see that Gura Wrighton playing practically as a, as a left winger and, and having the option to cross it in for a big target like me official she almost seems like this well-rounded striker that can kind of switch between what we need to do at the times. So if you need a hold-up player, you got a hold-up player. But if you need a target striker, you've got a target striker there. And it kind of gives us a little bit of that difference over there. Um, I thought Ashley Lawrence was was good coming inside, kind of playing on the outside, kind of giving that different point of attack. And um, it's I don't want to say it was it she played better than Eve Perisay at right back, right wing back, but what I want to say is we now have two very good options as wing fullbacks on the right hand side. Um, for different sort of games. If you want someone a little bit more attacking, you want someone a little bit more attacking on the inside channels, I think Ashley Lawrence is going to be a great option, whether you play her at right wing back or left wing back or left back or right back. Whereas with Eve Perisay, if you want somebody who's a little bit more up and down the pitch, kind of staying out wide, kind of giving you more crosses than, than you need, and 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 someone who's uh, uh, maybe a little bit more supporting in that sense, even defensively, then I think we've got a really good option in Eve Perisay. And I think... Going on to that second half very quickly for a second, Lawrence switching there looked equally as comfortable. So I think Chelsea, from a fullback perspective and the way they want to play, I think we've um, I think we, we've seen some really good development over there. And then Kirby playing as the number ten, I think was just like so good to see her back and and her movement and and the way she was she was running with the ball and kind of connecting with Wrighton and Fischl and James. I thought was really really good and. You can already tell that 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 there's such a huge difference in the way Chelsea attack. This the smoothness, the fluidity, and and that extra body in the box now is 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 going to be such a huge factor going forward. So yeah, I'm I think I was most excited to see Frank Kirby back playing in in that position. Yeah, we're gonna do an official deep dive um, this week. Uh, so we're gonna maybe we'll save some more official chat uh, for then. I thought she looked very raw, but with positive signs um definitely a player who needs work um but yeah we can maybe talk a bit more about that later in the week I thought Frank Kirby was oh my god so good to see her back playing for Chelsea it's just amazing how 
much she enlivens an attack. She just, she's just so creative. And I thought her relationship with Guru Raiten looked fantastic. Um, just like later on in the game when Fleming came on, she looked great with Fleming. It's just like she turns everything into really good opportunities. Um, she had some good chances to score and I felt, felt like she didn't quite have her shooting boots on uh, just yet. A um, couple of shots that, that went straight at the keeper. Um, but yeah, I mean, incredible to have her back. I really, really hope she can stay fit this season. I thought she looked a lot hencher than she has in the past, which I thought was interesting. And, you know, she's obviously spoken. We've spoken about how, you know, how for many years she hasn't had a chance at a preseason really um and I think you could really see that I thought she she looked like one of the freshest players on the pitch really really clearly um just quickly to wrap up two two more things from the first half um we'll have to talk about the so Roma then took the lead again uh, after about half an hour Giacinti um scored and I think this is a good opportunity to maybe talk about Zachira Musevic who yeah interestingly I mean I don't know how much to read into it she Zachira Musevic played the first half AKB came on for the second half um for me this felt like a bit of a, a fumble from Zachira uh this goal but what did you make of of her first half in general obviously she's come off the back of a, of a great world cup yeah I think I think there's a little bit of um rustiness there coming back off the world cup obviously a huge high of being um one of the best goalkeepers in that game against the U- U.S. women's national team was was massive for her in terms of those 12 saves that she made and just kind of being overall Sweden's number one. Um, I think a little bit of rustiness was there. Uh, yeah, could have done better for 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 the goal. But um, overall, I think she looks a little bit more assured in between the sticks now. I think I think she looks like that 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 a little bit more of a commanding presence. The way she kind of stands there, the way she she's she's kind of directing the defense. Asking him to move around. Uh, yeah, I was also kind of confused as to why Musevic started the first half. I would have assumed she would have played the second half. But no, I think overall, though, um, good for decent first half could be better. But I think the level that Musevic is bringing to the table now is a lot higher than I think what we've seen last year. And I think the World Cup's just given her a world of confidence. And, and I think now she I think maybe feels truly ready to be able to command this Chelsea backline. And and not feel like she's the inexperienced one there. She's gone to a World Cup. She's been the number one. They got to a to a semi final, and she had a personally a very very good tournament. You know, playing in front of you know the likes of Magdalena Eriksson and Amanda Elstedt, uh, and and kind of directing them. So and Jana Anderson. So w- when you're able to do that at the country level, coming back to the club and playing with equally if not better players, then I think. Uh, I, th- I think they're saying to they're saying to be to look at there. So no, but I think overall it could be better. But decent performance from Musovic in that first half. Yeah, I thought she basically couldn't do anything for the first goal. Could have done better for the second goal. Made one good save before the second goal and looked a bit nervy claiming the ball from a corner. So it felt like a pretty classic Musovic performance in that sense. I did think she looked more confident than maybe she has done in the past. Um, but I still think AKB is very very clear. Um, Chelsea did equalise before half-time, though, and for me, this was probably the best goal of the lot. I did really like Harvey's volley, but um, this was fantastic from from Lauren James picking up the ball um, in basically around the halfway line, driving driving through up the pitch. Kind of interesting moment where sort of Fischl became this decoy run, opened up that space for James. She looked over at Fischl and thought, fuck it, I'm taking this on myself, and... It was like it wasn't a lob, but it just like came down really satisfyingly under the crossbar uh, to equalize. Um, interesting to see her back so soon, Abdullah. Like, there's not Hannah Hampton's back, but there's no Neve Charles 
Um, yeah, who obviously played even less minutes at the World Cup than Lauren James um, and obviously starting this game. But it just felt to me like this is a player who whose World Cup has given them a lot of confidence, even with uh, Stampgate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm surprised. Like the two players who haven't played minutes at the World Cup, but very few minutes at the World Cup are the ones not in the squad or on in the stands. And then the, the, you've got the other two who obviously played to the semi-final. Uh, to, to the final in, in, in Carter and Bright, who are obviously not there. And then Lauren James, who actually played a big part, is starting a game, which I found really weird. But this entire game has been weird selection choices, so I don't even know what we're questioning this for at this point. But um, yeah, no, I, I thought she just picked up where she left off. I thought she was really, really good. The technique behind that goal to, to kind of place it where she did from the distance that she did was unreal. It was like one of those moments where she just picked up the ball and went... I'm just going to run through and I'm just going to make something happen. And you were almost like, well, she's going to make something happen. And I, I want to point out the fact that I really like the contrasting profiles between Kirby and James playing next to each other. You've got one, both are progressive dribblers, but in such different ways. Like Kirby is a bit more direct. She'll run and then she'll like, maybe play it out wide and kind of pass and then kind of move herself. Whereas Lauren James is just, I'm going to keep close control. I'm going to run, be deceptively quick where she starts off slow and then bursts of acceleration in different places and then just shoots on her own because she's got the technique to be able to do that and I think having two different progressive running options uh, from a number 10 position I think can be really useful for Chelsea in terms of when they want to break down uh, break down defenses because I think I, I think I think maybe there might be a trend now that instead of playing progressive passes and through balls I think it's going to be all about running through uh, in behind and and maybe that's why maybe Emma Hayes is testing out two tens of us of both it's, they're both good at the same thing but in two different ways yeah definitely I mean it definitely feels like a position whereby we have a lot of different options which is really exciting and also just a lot of versatile attackers in terms of um, who can play where I did think that obviously Kirby and the way she links up play um felt like it really benefited that left-hand side. And I did think maybe Lawrence slightly struggled with not necessarily... And that, that's understandable, again, not necessarily having that relationship with Lauren James yet on the right-hand side. Um, and I still think James has kind of work to do on on how she links up play. But we saw with England, particularly in that game against China, that she's more than capable of doing it. Um, I think it'll be really interesting to see how her role develops at, at Chelsea. I much prefer her playing centrally. Um, we obviously saw her mainly play off the right um last year who knows what will happen this year because you know I would not trust Emma Hayes that we see this 3-4-3 like that much we might see it for the whole season we might not like I just genuinely don't know um but it's going to be really interesting to see how James develops because I think I think she did have a great summer even if it didn't quite end maybe the way she she imagined it and this goal just felt like she was showing you know, she. I just think she's really got this belief now that she she'll just back herself and she can she can do whatever she wants and she knows she's got that freedom within this team and I think that's really really exciting. Um, let's take a quick ad break here and then when we come back we'll talk about all the changes and how Chelsea looked in the second half. Are you missing out on your favorite show because it's not available in your region? Trying to keep your private time private? Well, let me introduce NordVPN. If you're bored of U.S. streaming services, why not take it for a spin in the U.K. Using NordVPN and at the click of a button, you can do just that. No need to travel to Japan for your favorite anime when NordVPN brings it right to you. With 5,000 plus server options, no show is out of your reach. 
Grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com forward slash London is blue, you know, like the name of the podcast, to get a huge discount off of your NordVPN plan, plus one additional month for free. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. We all love to binge, but privacy is a big deal, too. NordVPN keeps your information encrypted, so you never have to worry about your IP or location getting out. Threat protection. They've also doubled down on keeping you safe with their new threat protection feature. Say goodbye to intrusive website ads and malware. Even if you download an infected file, threat protection kicks in and deletes it before it makes a mess of your computer. Don't forget, there is literally no risk to you with their 30-day money-back guarantee. Give it a try, and if you like it, great. If you don't, they'll send you a refund, and you can pretend the entire situation never happened, just like Chelsea's 2022-2023 season. Check out my link at nordvpn.com forward slash londonisblue to get your subscription started today. nordvpn.com forward slash londonisblue. So a classic preseason halftime loads of changes set so let's talk about this starting 11 for the second half AKB came in for Zatira Musovic Marimielda went off so Sophie Ingle went into the back line um, Loipots went off as well so we had a new double pivot with Shurka Nuskan making her debut and Yelena Chankovic um, interestingly playing in midfield rather than further forward Jesse Fleming came in and played in that 10 role replacing Lauren James and then Guru Ryzen went off so we had Ashley Lawrence moving to left wing back and Eve Perisay at right wing back. Mia Fischel stayed up front for the first sort of 20 minutes of that second half. Um, let's start with Nuskan because I think this is the player, Abdullah, who everyone was like, oh my God, we knew she was good, but wow, we love her. We will all die for Nuskan already. <laughs> all hell Nuskan. Nuskan. Oh no, such... I such. texted my friend like, I'm in a, I'm in a cult. I'm in a Sugar Nuskan cult Shuka already. Nuskin cult. You know, we should just rename this podcast the Sugar Nuskan London is Blue podcast. That's it. We just, we just dedicate it from now. <laughs> from now. No, such a good player. I mean, she, I, th- I think you mentioned it. You, you said it on Twitter last night. It's like she's been playing in this team for years. The relationships, the passing, the movement, the understanding. It's like everything was there. I guess it helps when you have a full preseason. You're there from the very beginning. And a lot of these players that you've been playing around with. And I think maybe the, the Kankovic-Nuskin double pivot was probably a deliberate thing. Because those two have been playing together for the last few weeks now. And training and understanding each other. And I think developing that understanding was has been really, really key. I I loved the double pivot of those two together. I think the way they played and the understanding and, and I and I love the the profile differences. I keep talking about profile differences this this pod, but Nuskin's understanding of defensive positioning versus Kankovic's creative ability and understanding of the advanced positions was so good that you could basically tell that they're both looking at each other and going, okay, I know that when you step here, I need to step here and I'm going to step here and I'm going to do this. Okay, so when you do this, I'm going to be here. And that movement was was absolutely fantastic. Um, her passing is unreal. So we have just another world-class passer out, out there in, in central midfield. And, um, you know, and someone who is just now a more mobile version of... of uh, not even a version of something, just another mobile player in midfield who I, I swear I, I was thinking about it last night and I was like, we basically have 
another Lena Obidov in the making right here. We have like Lena Obidov 2.0 in the making right here at Chelsea. And, and you know, and I can I can envision that maybe in like six months when she's really settled into a first team position that, you know, the way Obidov commands a midfield and you're basically playing, you, you when you have her in midfield, it's two players in one. I think Suganiskin could become that player for Chelsea because it's it's unreal how good she is and and and, and her understanding of the position is it's absolutely fantastic. Please, Emma has don't play at centre back. That's all I ask. Please don't play at centre back. Just keep her there in midfield. Um, but yeah, and also I uh, just a quick shout out. I loved Kankovic yesterday. The defensive work that I saw from Kankovic yesterday in that forty five minutes is more than I've seen from her all of last season. And she just looked fitter. She looked better. Um, she looked more creative and she just it weirdly enough she suited this starting as the number eight role next to Nuskin and you know with Aaron Cuthbert to come back it's a, it's a tough one how, how you how you play all three yeah it'll be really interesting to see um, I think on Nuskin it just felt like everything she did was so good like we saw her obviously sort of starting that double pivot in that more uh, midfield role but then by the end of the game she was playing as a 10 and I was like Emma Hayes just cannot resist creating another 10. Um, I honestly think we will not be seeing Nuskin in defense because I think if we were going to see her in defense, like tonight would have kind of, or last, last night would have kind of been the night. Like we really don't have many good defenders as we discovered. Um, it felt like really pointed that she didn't play any defensive minutes. In fact, she only moved further forward. I think that tells you a lot about how Hayes and the team see her. But I just thought everything, yeah, from from the defensive work, from her movement, from demanding the ball, the confidence on the ball, the willingness to get forward. It, like, honestly, what a player! Um, really, really excited to to see her play within this team this season. And as you say, it'll be really, really interesting to see um how that midfield ends up being balanced. Because yeah, I I really like Trankovic in, in that role as well. Um, and I thought they worked really well together. Um. And Trankovic has said before that, you know, she sees herself almost more of an eight than as a 10. Um, there are Suddenly there are a lot of midfielders with it, within this squad and it's going to be really interesting um, to see how that sort of works out. Um, looking at some of the other changes, you sort of mentioned in, in the first part that uh, when Perisic came on, you know, it felt like it sort of changed how Chelsea were able to go forward. I definitely felt like it gave Ashley Lawrence a lot more of license to get forward, having that that more defensive option there. Um, and I think I preferred these two as wingbacks, but of course the knock-on problem that has is what happens to Guru Wrighton then at that point? Um, we did see Guru Wrighton play as a 10 for Chelsea at points last season and in the World Cup, but I think everyone agrees we prefer to see her on the wing and that's kind of the issue with this formation um although again I don't think we'll see Chelsea stick to one formation all season uh but what what did you make of these two as wingbacks oh, I really enjoyed it I thought I thought the second half wingbacks looked a lot better than the first first half and I just felt like and we were talking about this last last time on the whatsapp group that I, th I felt like Lawrence being able to cut drift inside and kind of play within that space overloading the areas where the number 10s are I think just suited her a lot more. It allowed Kirby as the left side of number 10 to kind of be able to have the space to go outside and kind of combine over there. And then you have Lawrence coming in and it kind of just created a different level of a different angle and different, different, uh, something different for everybody to think about. It even allowed the number, the number eights to kind of push up and Kankovic to push up into positions and Fleming to move. And so there was just a lot of rotations on that left side, which meant that the right side was a lot more direct where Perisay could just freely 
push up and cross when needed when the switch of play came across or if they, she needed to drop back there was enough there's enough time for her to drop back and kind of help um help out the backline and kind of turn into a back four if she wants uh Nuskin and Kankovic to push up so I just felt like just that movement across and Paris's understanding of how to play the right hand side allows Lawrence to be able to do what she needs to do whether it's coming inside or going outside and when you have two wing backs who are who are natural in their positions of the actual position itself rather than being left-footed or right-footed you then have this better understanding from the two players of okay when one pushes up i need to be here rather than go right and playing really well and though she's been playing it for about a season season and a half it's very difficult against someone who's been playing that position all their life and understands the role like nobody else so when you have two natural players it's just a whole different story than having uh, just Guru plus the other wing back or fullback on on the on the opposite side, but yeah, it does raise the question of where does Guru play, and you can't drop Guru because she was probably the best player at Chelsea last season. But uh, questions for Emma Hayes to answer. Yeah, I think the conclusion from this game is is that Chelsea have a lot of options, and I think at the end of the day, that's no bad thing. You know, I know sometimes people say, oh, the WSL or the women's season isn't isn't that long but like we've seen in multiple seasons how stretched you can end up getting even with a squad as big as Chelsea's and I think the squad's definitely taken a step forward in terms of strength this year um and I think it's needed really I think you know if you feel like you can keep players happy and keep the the competition going which Hayes has shown she can do um then why not have that bigger squad why not increase that depth why not have all of those options and again I think that says a lot about the terms of profile Chelsea recruit in terms of having players who can play in a lot of positions that makes it a lot easier um, to to give players more minutes because they have that kind of versatility um, someone I want to talk about who I think showed kind of that vers- versatility was was Aggie Beaver Jones who obviously scored our winner in the end right at the end of the match um, she came on at 65 minutes initially playing as a nine and then sort of moved to to left wing back um, I thought she looked great in both to be honest I really enjoyed her at left wing back um this is a player who I guess, you know, in January, in the January transfer window, it looked like maybe she was thinking about moving. But it seems right now, Abdullah, like she's going to stay. And I think, to be honest, she she doesn't look out of place in this squad at all. Oh, not at all. I really, really liked, uh, liked Aggie Beaver Jones' cameo yesterday. It just, it, it felt like that was the performance from her that showed, right? I've learned everything I needed to learn on loan. My Everton loan was good. I played an important part over there here's everything I learned and here, here I am applying it. And she looked, I mean, if you remember that turn that she had with the, with, with the ball in, in midfield and kind of, oh, that was, that was exquisite. Just, just that alone, I think, uh, she should be staying just for, just for that skill alone. No, I thought she looked really good as a nine, really good as a left wing back. Um, and, and, and the winner was just her persistence of being in and around the box and wanting to get into attacking positions. I, my only question is now again, like we talked about having a lot of lot of options, but there's only a certain number of players that you're gonna keep then. Okay, if if Aggie Beaver Jones comes in, who makes way? And then how do you then keep everybody happy barring injuries? Yes, like we saw last season when Sam Kerr got injured and then we had Frank Kirby not playing for a while. In those situations, when you have a bit of a long term thing and Penilla Harder not being there as well, that yes, these players will come in and they'll get minutes and get everything, but Considering if she's playing at left wing back as, as for a second, you still have Neve Charles to come back, who is a fullback for us. 
you have Ashley Lawrence now. You have Eve Parasite to play in there. You have Gurr Ryan to consider. So that's that's a log jam over there. Up front, you got Sam Kerr and Mia Fischel as the two number nines. Aggie B. Jones being third choice is another thing to worry about. So my only concern with Aggie B. Jones is I wanted to stay and I think she would look really good. But where is she realistically going to get the minutes is, is probably my only real question. Yeah, definitely. And I think this is kind of the the problem also Chelsea have when you don't have like a Conti Cup group stage or kind of games like that. Um, you know, you, you maybe don't feel like you can start to really rotate your team in the WSL until you've really got going in it. And then obviously you're playing the Champions League group stage and okay, maybe you get two games against the the fourth, the team in the fourth pot um, where you can sort of rotate there. But it, to that extent, in, in terms of, it all depends basically, I think, on how much you trust your players, right? Um, and I thought Aggie Beaver-Jones showed, especially playing left wing back, that she she certainly could be trusted. Um, yeah, so I think it was a really good performance for her. Another person who I thought had a good game but or a good second half but probably should have scored was Jesse Fleming who played as the 10 I thought it was really good and exciting for her that she got as many shots as she did I thought she did really well in terms of like picking up spots around sort of the edge of the area but I do feel like she showed maybe she doesn't have that sort of killer instinct that potentially someone like Fran Kirby does and when it when it comes to finishing those opportunities um but Fleming is someone who I think we've spoken before about how this sort of feels like a make or break, you know, six month season for her at Chelsea. Um, what did you make of her? Yeah, I was impressed. I think I think uh, first game back coming in playing as the ten, I thought she was lively. I thought she was uh, she was good on the ball. I thought I thought she was she was asking for the ball really really well, playing between the lines. Um, I thought her um, her understanding between everybody was good, and I, I thought she was getting into some dangerous positions playing as a ten almost. Um, I think it suits her playing. Maybe it, weirdly enough, maybe it's the double ten position that suits her, right? Rather than playing as a as a lone number ten, playing next to somebody who she can almost play almost two players that she can play off of without having the extra responsibility as playing as an eight, having to push up and then playing with whoever's in front. Whereas here, she knows she's got the double pivot pinder, and then she's got one next to her and one in front of her to kind of play in and around. It almost weirdly a free roll, which I think was. Um, which was good, and I think I think that free roll suits her to kind of allow her to be whether this progressive passer, progressive dribbler, uh, and to be able to 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 press off the ball or kind of run into the box. So, um, Fleming as a free ten, I think was really really good, um, and yeah, I think she needs. I mean, if she can play this role consistently for the next six to eight months, I don't see how she gets dropped. So yeah, you, you can say that for a lot of players, but I think Fleming's got so much potential that if she can keep doing this and add in. Five ten goals in the season playing in this position, then I, I see her staying around and, and just doing really, really well. Yeah, once again, it, it all feels like it's going to be about almost the, the performances we don't see, you know, how players train and things like that in terms of who gets the opportunity to start these games because there are just so many players who, who have the ability and um, the sort of skill set to be able to play in that kind of role. Uh, let's just finish off from this game talking about some of the academy players. Uh, we saw minutes for Keris Brown, Shanti Akban, and Amy Claypole. Any standout moments for you from, from those three? I think, you know, players who, who we're expecting to see maybe go out on loan at this point of the season, um, but still a great opportunity for them to play with the first team who they've obviously been training with all summer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think... Um... I think everybody that did come on and, and, and played, I think, was were, were really really good. Um, I, th I think I think you know every, for for me, I thought you know Sarah Brown playing at that in that 
wing back position was was actually quite. I think she was the standout player in in uh, of the three, um, playing some really good moments and, and to some extent almost felt like she was part of the um, part of the setup for a while and looked really reassured really in that in that position. Um, Ashanti Akpan, decently decently comfortable on the ball, really neat and clean. You know, had a good moments and Amy Claypool came in and had a few uh, first team minutes as well. So. Um, I think I think they did they did their chances no harm and 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 just kind of maybe picked up some good minutes to kind of play in and around and show their development. But uh, if I had to pick any of the three, I thought Sarah Brown I think probably had the best um, uh, best cameo of uh, of the three. Yeah, I agree with you. She she got the most minutes as well, which helped, right? But um, yeah, she played some minutes left wing back and then a left side centre back. I thought she looked tidy. Um, I would have liked her to sort of like be a bit more demanding with the ball. There were a couple of moments where it felt like. Um, you know, there are opportunities for her to get on the ball and she was sort of like showing that she was free, but she wasn't like being like, give me the ball, um, which is fine. Like she's a kid. Um, you know, I understand why you, you're not necessarily ready to do that. Um, but I think that's what I'd have liked to see more of. But yeah, I thought everything she did, she did really, really well. So um, yeah, be interesting to see how all three of those develop this season. Let's take another quick ad break here and then we'll finish off this episode with talking about some of our big grand conclusions for the season that we're taking from this one preseason match. There is no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. One of the things I love about Indeed is that they make hiring all in one place. It's easy because, well, candidates you invite are three times more likely to apply to your job than candidates who only see it in the search. When you get one step closer to the hire by immediately matching you with a quality candidate, it makes it go faster. And when you're looking to hire, the quicker you get the right person in the role the better. So start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash blue wire sports. That offer is good for a limited time. So claim your $75 credit now at indeed.com forward slash blue wire sports. Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire sports and support the show by saying you heard about it on this podcast. Indeed.com forward slash blue wire sports terms and conditions apply need to hire. You need indeed. So I want to start off here with some of your big grand conclusions from the season, which I'm sorry I've just decided are your big grand conclusions from the season because I didn't tell anyone that I was going to do this. But I I just saw some some fun hot takes, some fun tweets. So let's have a chat about those. Um, one from great friend of the pod, Harry Edwards, saying, I'm not just basing it off yesterday, but I don't think Anique Noun has a future in the Chelsea defence. Her passing is great and she's a tidy player, but defending is what lets her down, which is strange because I thought she was really good defensively in her first season. Abdullah, what, what do you make of, of this? I've got to say, um, I'm with Harry on this one. Yeah, I agree as well. I think, I just think there's been a regression. I think she's just become worse as the seasons have gone on. Her first season, first half season was really good. When she came through from PSV, I thought, wow, this is a good player. You know, someone who's really good and really intelligent, knows how to cover. You know, there, there, there is potential here to become a long-term Chelsea defender. And if you looked at where Jess Carter was and where Anik Nau was when Anik arrived in, in the first few months, you were like, you would have probably bet that Anik would have probably been ahead of the pecking order and kind of maybe developed more quicker and done better at the time. But it's like every time she's come back into this team, she's just not played as well. So I don't know what it is. Like yesterday, she kept trying to drive out 
touch the ball, try and take a turn back, but then get dispossessed and kind of would, would go no, nowhere with it, which to me just felt very, very... Um, she looked very confused, and, and, and I think, yeah, I think this could probably be the uh, the end of Anika Nawa at Chelsea, and, and, you know, it sucks, but it is what it is. Yeah, personally, she's not for me, and I think I've seen enough to say that she's not for Chelsea. Um, I think we have... I don't think we're stacked with, like, talented centre-backs, but I think there are more talented centre-backs around and on the market than Anika Nawa. Like, unfortunately, she's not a kid anymore, um, and it just doesn't... It doesn't look right, and I don't really know what it is she does well because she doesn't really defend well 1v1. I think her passing's fine. I think Harry's generous to say that her passing is great. I think on lots of occasions it looked like she had no idea where or what she wanted to pass. My favourite moment was there was a point where Roma started attacking yesterday and Anik had like stepped forward because in the second half, Anik and Khadija both started stepping forward out defence more, I guess, because having Perisay offered a bit more of that cover, which I kind of liked and I actually thought suited Buchanan in particular. Um, but Anik had obviously stepped forward and then the ball had turned over and Frank Herby just like ran into her because Fram was like trying to track back and Anik hadn't even like seemed to figure out that she needed to turn around and start running. And I was just like, you can't have one of your attackers running into you, the central defender who's got stuck higher up the pitch. That's just not the one for me. Um, all right, let's move on to a more... Positive one, I guess, which is from James Lewis saying Aggie Beaver-Jones is ready. I know we've just sort of touched on this, um, Abdullah, but I think I think this is this is going to be a really interesting season for her. And, you know, I, I think it was quite clear that if she... I think it was clear that a loan, another loan move wasn't really the right option for her. I think it was like either she stays or she goes sort of permanently. Um but yeah, do you feel like, I guess, building on what we've already talked about, that that this is someone who can sort of play regularly for Chelsea this season? Yeah, I mean, the man has spoken. Aggie Beaver-Jones is ready. So um, yeah, I think so too. I, I think I think there is a world now in this season where, like you said, it's she, either she has to go permanently or she, she has to stay. And I'd be inclined to letting her stay. And, and in a weird way, just letting her figure, uh, just let Emma Hayes just figuring her out as she goes along as to where she fits into the side because I would want to see a full season of Aggie Bieber Jones at Chelsea and especially when you have the later Conti Cup games, the FA Cup games, uh, like you said, you've got a couple of the Champions League games to come in and, you know, whenever she has those those opportunities to kind of play 90-90 minutes there and you can base off that in the first six months, you can probably see how she is doing in January and if you, if you think there is potential, then um, you know, it, it, it may have a knock-on effect on um, on certain players' future. So uh, I think if Aggie Beaver-Jones stays, I can see Katarina Svitkova leaving, right? And then obviously Macario's recovery isn't going to be very, very fast. Yes, she's, she, she's on the verge of coming back, but that slow integration to the team will take a little bit of time. I don't see Macario really hitting full stride till at least November. So you may need... And Aggie Beaver Jones to be in there, and and just to kind of maybe I mean I'm looking at the list that we've got here. Could this potentially have an impact on Johanna Ritz and Kanaritz's future at Chelsea as well? If if Aggie Beaver Jones is around, because you know if you, if you want to make space for a proper first team place for Aggie Beaver Jones and and and, and there's a belief in her, then maybe Johanna Ritz and Kanaritz, if she doesn't do well, is is the one to make way as well in terms of that proper first team spot there. So I think there are question marks there which uh which will which will come up soon but yeah i just keep her around and see what happens 
yeah, I I feel like I mean who knows, but it it seems at the moment like she's going to stay, and I, I'm excited for. Her. I think I think she can have a really good season. Uh, Abdullah, let's come to you now. What is your grand conclusion for the season from this match? I think uh, I'm just going to go wild, and I'm going to say Kankovic ends up being Chelsea's number one midfielder, whether it's as a ten or an eight, and she gets the highest number of assists for Chelsea this season. Wow. Okay, I like that. That's a good grand conclusion. Um, my grand conclusion is Shoka Nuskin wins Chelsea's Player of the Year award at the end of the season. Yeah, I like that. I like that. So both central midfielders are going to do something. Yeah, I don't know how out there that is as a as a choice, but uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's what I'm going with. All right. Um, okay, that pretty much wraps up the Roma chat. Um, couple of other things. Let's just quickly talk about. Uh, people might have seen that Micah Hamano was back at Kings Meadow yesterday. Um, Hammerby Sporting Director has confirmed that basically Chelsea have called her back. Sounds like she's doing some more rehab on that shoulder injury. The Swedish season ends in November, so I don't it seems unlikely that she if she gets back there she'll she'll get that that much time. It's a shame for her she had a, a really fantastic first half of the season there, but definitely one to keep an eye on in terms of, you know, maybe where she goes next on loan, whether she comes into the squad. Um if she's coming into the squad in January, there's going to have to be a bit clear out in January, that's for sure. Um another bit of news is that Academy midfielder Lexi Potter has signed a contract with the club till 2026. So quite a big, chunky contract. Uh, Chelsea advertising this as the first female player in the country to sign a professional contract at the age of 17. Not entirely sure how this works because I thought that wasn't allowed. Um, also, equally, Manchester United did sign a 17-year-old this summer, but um, she's Scottish. So I guess maybe that's why they're, they're count- counting it as being separate. Regardless, it doesn't really matter. It's sort of a random boast. Um uh, because I'm, it's not like Lexi Potter is significantly more talented than any other 17-year-old ever. Um, but she is very talented and she's going to Crystal Palace on loan for the 23-24 season. Um, really exciting player. She she captained the England under-17s at the Euros in the summer. Was that this summer? I don't know. Whenever that was, it feels like a very, very long time ago at, at this point. But another one for the loan army, um, taking our loanies up to eight. And I would assume still more to come because surely a goalkeeper has to go. Um, all right, Abdullah, we will be back this week. We're going to do some big me official chats. Um, so looking forward to that one. Up next for Chelsea, they're off to Portugal on a pre-season tour. I think everything else from here is going to be behind closed doors. So we won't get to watch the gals again until they open the WSL season against Spurs at the bridge on the 1st of October, which feels like a very, very long way still. It feels weird to watch the Chelsea game and I'll be like, we're probably not going to watch Chelsea again for another month. But I'm sure time will fly. We will have plenty of content for you throughout the month. Um, we are going to agonise over every aspect of the season in a predictive sense. Um, but yes, uh, we will be back this week at least to talk about me official. Until then, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high. Thank you.